at the end of the day, the government's not coming to save us. I think we have to save one another. And so I'm seeing a lot of that, and I'm honored to be a small part of it. And I think we're going to get through all of this together. Reno Council member Devin Reese did not mince words. Government alone cannot solve the COVID-19 crisis, but there is a lot of action happening on the ground as Reno continues to adjust to its new COVID-19 reality. Renowned nurses are saying they have to reuse personal protective equipment, but renowned CEO Tony Slonim says the hospital is ready to deal with coronavirus. I've said that this pandemic will get worse before it gets better. This is true, and I would like to help explain what that means. Renown Health continues to safely screen, diagnose, and care for patients with respiratory illness, including those at risk for COVID-19. When confronted on specifics, he was light on some details, but he did say the hospital has enough supplies for what is expected to be a surge of patients in the near future. There are standard CDC guidelines on testing, mask use, and isolation. We not only meet this guidance, but we exceed it in an effort to provide for the safety and well-being of every one of our patients, physicians, and employees. For This Week in Reno News, I am your host, Bob Conrad. A lot has been happening on the ground in Reno as the biggest little city hunkers down. I spoke with Reno City Council member Devin Reese about some of what's being done to deal with COVID-19 impacts. We are in approximately week two of COVID-19. You are an elected council member. Um, just broadly speaking, what are, what are you seeing? What, what are the big issues right now? Well, I mean, I think what I'm seeing first and foremost is I'm seeing uh, the incredible spirit of the Northern Nevada community coming together to help people do things big and small. You know, uh, we are as a community, uh, a very compassionate and loving group of people. And when our neighbors are in trouble, our instincts are always to uh, help. And so that's been encouraging. Um, we obviously are in, you know, what I would characterize as the beginning of the, the crisis. Uh, we're not, I don't think, at the middle or anywhere near the end. And so things are changing rapidly. And as a result, uh, I think we're all kind of starting to understand how government fits into the equation. At the end of the day, the government's not coming to save us. I think we have to save one another. And so I'm seeing a lot of that, and I'm honored to be a small part of it. And I think we're going to get through all of this together. When you say government is not going to come save us, uh, what, what's an example of that? I mean, it sounds like, you know, people, and I, I get this too, uh, just running a news website, 
you know, something goes wrong in the city and people want to blame the mayor or, you know, the county or whatever. What, what's an example of, of what you're talking about? Well, if you just look at it from the national level, for one, I mean, I think our president has been very uh, clear to say states, you're all on your own to get the resources you need in terms of medical supplies and equipment. Uh, you know, he's given examples about how and I, I was on a conference call today in which it was very clear that Nevada is now competing with other states and even other communities within the state of Nevada are competing with one another to obtain enough testing kits, to obtain the raw materials that are needed for testing. That's one example. I mean, yes, there are certain things that governments are more structurally set up and designed to do because they have you know, greater resources and greater emergency and police powers to affect. Um, but at the end of the day, um, we're going to have to count on each other here in Nevada. And I don't think we should be looking uh, to others to provide us with assistance. And, and we will get there. It's just a matter of how we get there and, and what are our priorities. What's an example of the community coming together? I mean, I think we saw one over the weekend. And I don't know how much official intervention was involved, but, you know, moving the basically our uh, homeless population that was at the shelter, um, how did that come about? Yeah, that, that is a massive and incredible example of uh, uh, an idea that was sort of shot from a cannon and launched very quickly. Um, and it could only have been done with really the, the effort by the city um, with Volunteers of America and some coordinated efforts with the county as stakeholders. I, I know there are other uh, folks who probably deserve some credit for it, uh, but the lion's share of that really falls on the city who, you know, sprung into action and said, okay, uh, we have a need. And that need was really largely about social distancing and helping uh, to spread out the number of people who were being housed at the uh, CAC. It, there just weren't good answers. And the, and the answers that we thought we might come up with weren't happening fast enough. So, uh, you know, really people sprung into action to make that happen. There were vendors and there were staff and there were even some volunteers that made that happen. And, and again, it's, there are still some kinks to be worked out with that facility and how it can be used and what way it might be used as the progress of this virus happens. Um, but some of that's still sort of being written. Yeah. And I, another example that I saw, or at least what, what appeared to be an example, was UNR making the you know, perhaps uh, unintentional but calloused announcement that it wasn't going to refund uh, student dorm fees last week. And it seemed like some council members and other people from the community kind of stepped in and made some phone calls and, and again, made that happen. Well, I... Or encouraged I, um, it to happen, I should say. <laughs> sure. I mean, I think you've been around long enough to know that the process of governing sometimes how the sausage gets made is not pretty. And the truth is, is that the university um, did the right thing. And certainly they were encouraged by um, some of the council members and some other stakeholders to do the right thing. 
I fundamentally believe that they intended all along uh, to figure out the best thing, but just the way things have developed so quickly, there's not a lot of opportunity to just take a breath and say, what is the practical impact of this on families or people impacted by it? And if we just do the best we can, given the circumstances, people will get to the right decisions. And so um, I, I think that the folks at the university very quickly realized that their original pronouncement didn't make a lot of sense and would have a negative impact on the, the families involved. And so they, they, because they are good and gracious folks too, um, that they made the right choice. Uh, they deserve a lot of credit for quickly uh, changing their plans. And, and again, that happens at all levels of government. People have to uh, roll out particular things quickly. Uh, once it gets vetted a little bit more in the, the daylight, people realize, oh, we didn't think about that. Um, and then they and make good choices afterwards. But no doubt there was some behind the scenes stuff going on. Well, you raise a good point, and I think it's one that we tend to forget, uh, which is, you know, even with the best of intentions, we all screw up. And, we, and you know, it takes sometimes a, a handful of people or maybe more <laughs> to tell us, hey, what about this? And you go, oh, man, I didn't even think of that or how that That's would come totally across. totally right. Yeah. Totally agree. Could not agree more. And and ultimately, because you have to also appreciate, and I think you understand this, but a particular thing may be one of 75 things that are on your radar screen. I mean, I know in the last two weeks, the volume of information I personally, me, Devin Reese, am having to process and the decisions that have to be made about some very important things, but are, which are very unrelated to one another is very high. And so, you know, on any given day, if I'm asked to make 50 different decisions, I can't give my best intellectual, you know, sort of grappling with every one of those decisions the same as I might in different or less chaotic situations. So there are bound to be things in the coming weeks that will be um, floated uh, made to happen and then improved in the coming days after it. Uh, and and ultimately, I think if everyone can have a bit more grace in the process, everyone's moving fast, man. And I mean fast. Yeah. Um, I've just never seen anything like it in my lifetime. And and uh, we're we're quickly figuring out the best ways to get through it. And really, it, it does have to do with knitting each other closer together. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I think we'll get there. I certainly think it's important that the media has a role in this too. I think I'm trying media, not to be too brutal, Devin. No, no. I mean, I think that that, that the media. <laughs> I mean, in though, general, <laughs> but but accountability is important, and and certainly having other stakeholders who have input on a given thing. It. I don't think anyone is trying intentionally to make bad choices, and every voice it's not going to be heard. It's just not practicable because some things are emergencies and you just have to act. Um, You know, we like to, you know, um, celebrate and honor all the principles and and tenets of democracy. Uh, But in a pandemic, uh, some of the things which we think are important as um, Americans 
like openness and transparency uh, can get a little bit shredded in the rapidity of how things are moving. I hope that makes sense. And I'm not sort of explaining it in a way that doesn't make sense. It just, we won't be able to have all the same kinds of input that we might otherwise have when you're, you know, standing up a, let's just say, for example, standing up a new homeless shelter that normally would go through, you know, six months or a year of planning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Instead, this went through, you know, six hours of planning. Um, Is that happening? uh, Those things are happening. Yes. I mean, I think about the, uh, the joint emergency operations center and the various contingency plans that are being put in place to, uh, expand hospital capacity, uh, capacity for, um, you know, our unsheltered populations and more is coming. It's just that no one wants to talk about it until it happens, right? right? Because yeah. then if it doesn't happen, somehow you have, uh, violated the public's trust or, or gone back on something you propose. Or uh, you're not doing lot. enough. That's right. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, what happens is there are a certain group of folks who are always going to be um, sort of uh, they will always criticize whatever is being done is not enough or being done too slowly. And I get that because I have also been one of those people before. It's not a new concept, but in these circumstances under the most difficult of situations, a lot is happening and so much is happening below the surface that, Everyone's just not seeing it yet. And then what I believe will happen is people will say, oh, gosh, I didn't even know that you were planning to do X. And here it is. And if I had known, I wouldn't have been so critical. Right. Sure. And again, it's not because we want to hide anything or keep anything or it's a secret or we're going to have a surprise announcement. It's just that there's a thousand different parts moving and many ideas will be vetted and, and fall to the wayside. The, hopefully the best ideas are the ones that make it through to, you know, the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, any uh, ideas you can share that we may not know about? Oh, I think that there, the, the county, I don't know if you were aware of this, but the county hired uh, Julia Raddy to interface on the, we'll just call it our unsheltered population and the specific needs that they have during this crisis and and she's an incredible leader and an incredible servant and has some extreme background in public health policy that I think will come to bear and will produce fruit, right? And so I know that there are conversations about finding, um, you know, uh, more stable uh, housing options for people who uh, – may be infected, uh, uh, discussions about how we will provide medical support for people who are in the homeless population because it's, you know, obviously impossible to stay at home, quote unquote, for Nevada if you don't have a home. Mm -hmm. And so being able to find the resources, and I assume that some of those will be uh, hotel and motel resources like other states have begun to do. Um, you know, I know that there's conversations about uh, what other public buildings are owned and can be used in an emergency or crisis uh, for 
um, sheltering people. And so I know that um, people are looking at various facilities and thinking about how they might be used. I know that the Joint uh, Emergency Operations Group has, you know, they plan years in advance, right? Uh, their task is to say, okay, let's say a catastrophic incident happens and we run out of hospital space, where would we go? And those plans are already written and in place and people have strategically thought about them before. And so, and, and quite frankly, I wasn't aware of some of those plans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the public facilities that I know that have been talked about include, um, you know, the Livestock Events Center, for example. Right. I mean, it is a, it is a facility that might have a use if the conditions require its use to be put into place. Um, I know that I've had conversations about uh, the Reno State Air Force. Air Force base barracks, you know, some base housing. But, mm-hmm. you know, the question is, what's the status of those buildings? Are the roofs working? Are the lights on? You know, so you have to go figure that out. Um, and I'm not saying either one of those things are going to ultimately be used, but I know that people are are planning and they're thinking and they're having conversations and building inspectors are dispatched to go look at certain things. Um, and, of course, you know, you're smart enough to put two and two together. We have thousands of hotel rooms that are currently vacant currently because of the situation with our casino closures. Right. Perhaps some of those will be put into service of this community. And and I'll give you an example. I was on a conference call today with some of our area's hospital providers. And, you know, one of the things that is challenging is what do you do with uh, hospital workers, nurses, doctors, frontline personnel who are worried about taking the virus home to their families. Is there a place for those people to, you know, essentially sleep and rest and, you know, be able to recharge without having to take the virus home to their family? So I know that those conversations are happening. Good, good. Um, you know, I only promised to take up about 10 or 15 minutes of your time. We've already reached that. There are a lot of questions I, I would, of course, continue to um, want to ask you. But any last thoughts before we uh, say goodbye? Well, I, I would just say thank you, uh, especially independent journalism is more important now than ever, uh, especially as you see some of the independent journalism and some of the traditional print journalism has fallen by the wayside in the last couple of weeks, uh, very sadly, in my opinion. But uh, it's important that people have um, outlets like This Is Reno, um, because some of the stories you're telling, no one else is going to tell. And the information that you're sharing is reaching people who don't otherwise you know, maybe they don't read more traditional news outlets and sources. So I just thank you for your work and, and continue to continue to do the work you're doing. Governor Steve Sisolak launched a public service announcement this week about COVID-19. Former Nevada governors encourage you to stay home. My fellow Nevadans, please follow Governor Sisolak's direction. As Nevadans, we must all work together to care for one another and to act with compassion. By staying home, we can protect our loved ones and our neighbors. And never forget that as Nevadans, we're all in this together. Thank you, Governors, for your lifetime love and support for the Silver State. 
If home means Nevada to you, stay home for Nevada. Visit www.nvhealthresponse.nv.gov for more information. That's it for this week in Reno News. Please keep in mind that any reporting on COVID-19 is bound to change. For KWNK Community Radio, I'm Bob Conrad from thisisreno.com. Taking us out this week is a new song by Reno's own Spike McGuire. Well, I made my debut around the age of two. Hell, I probably had my job longer than you. I've seen productions flop. I've seen jugglers drop. But I ain't never seen the show stop. Because no matter what happens, we offer a distraction. From madness and chaos and dissatisfaction, we help you escape from up on that stage. We don't even ask for much of a wage. And I still can't believe it. Never thought I'd see it. Yeah, the world at its worst. And no way to relieve it. The day that the show couldn't go on. And everyone knows the band's got to play. But tonight there's no light shining down on Broadway. It's the day that the show didn't go on. Now all my friends are artists, song singing, guitarists, and they'll hit you real hard, right where the heart is, but tonight they sit quiet as the world waits in silence, listen for the whisper of a virus. And I get the protection against widespread infection, but why is only Wall Street getting in an injection? Cause the poets and the bars, they work twice as hard. See stock market suit with a beveled business card, and I still can't believe it. Never thought I'd see it in the world that it's worse, and no way to relieve it the day that the show couldn't go on. Everyone knows the band's gotta play, but tonight there's no light shining down on Broadway. It's the day that the show didn't go on. Even Disneyland's closed, guess I'm quarantined in the studio Cause there's no time to stall when you live for your calls Or expect new cassettes from Spike McGuire and Greg Gilmore On Loudest Folk Records, available this fall And I still can't believe it Never thought I'd see any other world that it's worse And no way to relieve it the day that the show couldn't go on Everyone knows the band's gotta play, but tonight there's no light shining down on Broadway. It's the day that the show didn't go on. It's the day that the show didn't go on. <laughs>